Yes, yes, yes. I am back with another one. You know what I'm saying? So, I finally sat down and I watched Hip Hop un- Uncovered. And I learned some things that I knew already and learned some things that I did not exactly know. Now, this was bolstered. This documentary was bolstered. It featured everyone from Dr. Dre to, you know what I'm saying, Snoop Dogg to Eminem, you know, to, uh, well, Eminem wasn't in the documentary, documentary, but, um, um, T.I. was there in the, uh, in the shit, but this six episode documentary featured five of the people who are important to hip-hop in a way and these were five people that you had to go through to even have success so to speak and they recounted their time in the streets their rise their missteps their falls and their redemptions. Now, the five people that it was centered around. I know I'm I'm looking for a track to put on first, but fuck it, we'll just throw this bitch on. Alright. Five people the five people that this show was circled around was Bimmy Antony, Deb Antony, um <laughs> Haitian Jack. Jock Ignite, Haitian Jack, yeah. Um, Trick Trick, you know, Detroit Stand Up. Alright, motherfucker, yeah. (laughs) And Big U, you know what I'm saying? And they chronicled, you know, they, they chronicled their lives. And they broke everything down. Now, um... Big U, we're going to start with him, I guess. You know, he was like one of the uh, original Crips, you know, because I know Tookie started the group or was a founding member of the group. And Big U was uh, part of one of the original Crip gangs called the AGs. Arlington Gang, I believe that's what it was. Um, Big U was doing all this gang banging and shit, you know, and he got off on, you know, beating up people. It wasn't about the gun yet. Guns weren't even presented. I mean, look, man, I'm not gonna give away too much, but I'm gonna just give what I saw. I mean, oh yeah, this has spoilers, so if you wanna watch the uh, Hip Hop Uncovered doc, please do cut this shit off watch it and then come back here, but anyway man, so dude had the streets on lock as the Crip Gangs grew you know, all the big artists or whatever would come through and Big U and the Crips would shut the shit down you know, the more notable one was obviously a big concert in LA with Houdini LL Cool J and a gang of other niggas and Jermaine Dupri, you know, he was about 
12, 13, because he was a backup dancer for, for Houdini back in the day. So they got to see gangbanging at its finest. Then, you know, Big U would go to jail. He would do a couple of stints in jail. And he saw what it was doing to his family. And he was also witnessing the birth of West Coast rap. And decided to be a part of it. You know, um, his first artist was Corrupt. You know, that's the first person that he started managing. You know, after he got out the first time, you know what I'm saying? Then he went back in. And I think he did like a 13-year bid. And I think he just got out like a couple of years ago for that bid and he started doing community work in the streets of California he was he was becoming a community activist and was mentoring a young rapper about um, ownership property and taking back the community And that rapper was Nipsey Hussle. You know, he detailed how they met, how they fell out, how they smoothed everything over up until the unfortunate passing of Nipsey Hussle. So all of that was documented for Big U. Now, here's a kicker, right? I did not know that Bimmy and Deb was brother and sister. I did not know that. I knew about Bimmy, you know, from the Supreme Team. And, you know, Bimmy used to manage LL Cool J. I knew that part. I knew Bimmy was from Queens. And I knew Deb was from Queens. But I did not know that Bimmy and Deb were brother and sister. Fuck me up. That's crazy. That Antony name is something strong. <laughs> I swear to God. Like, I'll just start with Deb. Ladies first. Deb, you know what I'm saying? Started off at a very young age hustling, doing street shit with her father. Her father ended up leaving, passing away. Um, You know, She lost, you know, one of her husbands, you know, she got shot four times, you know, one of her boyfriends used her as a shield, it was like, damn, Deb done been through some real shit, and then, you know, as you probably already knew, you know, Deb's, one of Deb's sons committed suicide, then she lost another son, so... That's a crazy story within itself. She, you know, originally had started a label in New York and signed this artist that she was backing, but her boyfriend, you know, the artist's boyfriend 
convinced her to leave Deb. Jealous because he um, signed her, but not him. And then Deb quit the music game and went back to hustling. Then at some point, she moved to Georgia. You know, and the crazy part is Deb had ties to the mob and shit like that. You know, she was the goddaughter of a, a nigga from the mob. You know, she was the meeting directly with the connects and shit. I mean, I knew Deb was a street nigga, but... <laughs> God damn though I ain't know all that shit now But anyway She ended up moving to Georgia Where you know She wanted to do community work You know Being a staple in the community Is the theme throughout this hip hop Uncovered documentary But um Deb Was Was that nigga like, and then she, of course, um, was doing community work in Atlanta and wanted Ludacris and his co- his radio co-host to come and uh, talk to the children. And she thought that was enough that she was doing until she ran into a young rapper who was just coming out of jail named Gucci Mane. And it showed her discovering Gucci trying to keep him under control by hiring her brother Bimmy which is ironically tied into the story to keep control of Gucci and Waka from losing their fucking minds because these are crazy hood street niggas then it details her getting back to the game fully with linking up with Nicki Minaj and she details how she was a helping hand in her career you know by bringing her to Atlanta and letting her buzz heat up and then I guess they de- she they detailed the fallout you know Deb's mother had a great line in this motherfucker saying like how does a person get into the game and change Did the person change or did the industry change them? I was just like, damn, that's a good point. Um, then it details the fallout between her and Gucci, you know, motherfuckers, you know, French Montana, you know, she, she, uh, was in the beginning stages of his career and it showed how Gucci, Nikki, and French Montana fell out with her because they she allegedly stole money, which is untrue. And uh, she ended up suing French Montana and getting paid. But it's a damn shame because, you know, Deb's story is all about pain and hardship. And she wanted to give those people opportunities and they fucking turned used her as a stepping stone instead of honoring her for putting them into the fucking game. And that's a very unfortunate tragedy for Deb. Um Bimmy, let's move on to Bimmy Antony, man. Bimmy was a ex-drug dealer, 
member of the infamous Supreme team with uh, Kenneth Supreme McGriff. Um, he was 13, 14 on the streets, flipping work. Ended up doing a bid. Once he got out, you know, he was automatically offered a job from Def Jam. You know, and then, you know, in the beginning stages of Bimmy's uh, career, everybody knew who he was. You know, he was even like a roadie for Run DMC. And he was able to, you know, once he got out of prison for that bid, um... So once he got done with that bid, you know, he he got a job at Def Jam. And he was managing LL Cool J, producing beats and stuff like that. He had a plug in the industry named Corey Rooney, who was producing shit for J-Lo. And then, you know, he got into a disagreement with Kevin Lyles at Def Jam. And that cost him his job. And he started to, Bimmy started to realize that record company people are shady. And with, you know, when Deb hired him to manage his nephew, Waka Flocka, you know, Bimmy fixed. Waka's contract so that he could receive his publishing, but them two had it falling out because you know how it goes. You try to be the big, you, you know, it can't be two big dogs. Waka tried to be the big homie and he tried the little bro Bimmy and he ain't like that shit. And then Bimmy also detailed that New Jack City was everything that they were living and the movie's portrayal was accurate accurate sound like dj keller right now accurate i was about to say accurate to sound stupid but um anyway we move on to trick trick detroit's ambassador like he came up slanging crack crack slanger crack era started a little bit early for detroit I guess they detailed the crack era for them as starting in 83-84. He was selling crack. Trick Trick was in and out of jail. And his father was was a DJ and his mother was a musician. And Trick Trick grabbed one of his father's tapes and it was uh Aqua Boogie by uh, uh, Parliament Funkadelic, and he looped that bitch, and um, started rapping. And then you know he did a little light bit or whatever. He came out, and um, the Freaknik was popping. He went over there to Atlanta and saw that scene, and then he did a booty shaking song. That I didn't even know that was him. I ain't know he made that shake that make that booty bounce. I did not know that. 
you learn a lot of shit. You know, because you know, you're used to hearing Trick Trick doing street shit and positive message shit. You ain't never heard I ain't know that was him because I used to listen to that song all the fucking time and I never knew who the fuck made that song. Crazy. So then he gets caught up in another situation where it seems like his rap career is coming together and all of a sudden he gets a murder pinned on him and you know he details how his crew the goon squad got started and proof was in the group and proof suggested that Eminem Bell trick trick out of jail and he paid his $150,000 bail and then he'd also detail you know Eminem putting him on Welcome to Detroit City which is the huge record that went commercial and it finally got Trick Trick some uh, national attention. And then, of course, the infamous no-fly zone as to where rapper, you know, some people, you know, think it's Trick Trick just being arrogant. No. Trick Trick was... A lot like Suge Knight, tired of niggas getting fucked over by the industry and motherfuckers not getting their money right, you know, not not um, receiving their money. Detroit artists were getting played, were being asked to pay to be on stage or to open for people, and he just had enough. And, you know, the most notable situation, obviously, was the one where Rick Ross got shut down from doing a concert because I guess he didn't necessarily check in with Trick Trick. Then, you know, Snoop Dogg would always call him and be like, hey, big cuz, you know, I'm in the building. Let's link. You know, even uh, Trick Trick and uh, Snoop Dogg, you know, did a song together. I think it was called Active or Activated or some, some shit like that. I don't remember. So, those were the details from Trick Trick's uh, side of the story. And last but not least, Haitian Jack. There were a lot of misconceptions about Haitian Jack, man. Like, he's a snitch. I didn't believe that. Even though, you know, Haitian Jack thinks it's Suge that was um, putting him up to say that. But Haitian Jack was a... Young kid from Brook from uh from Haiti that ended up relocating to Brooklyn. And um motherfuckers used to clown him, used to tease him, and then you know he started running with Jamaicans, and even Jamaicans would do him dirty. And you know, he went and got a gun, you know what I mean? And there was this bully that used to pick on him all the time. He fucked around and shot the goddamn bully multiple times. Shit was wild, bro. Like, this nigga was like a, a five-foot nigga. He was short, but he was big. You know what I mean? He was cocky. Then it detailed him, like, you know, after being a stick-up kid, how he rose to prominence as one of the biggest drug dealers on the streets of New York. And... um how he ran into Tupac and he felt like Tupac 
did him bold on the case because they felt like, you know, they tried to portray Jack as a snitch and as weak when it was Pac that took his kindness for weakness because, you know, he studied Jack for above the rim so that he could play birdie. And you could see, you know, looking at Haitian Jack, you could see where Pac got a lot of his swag because Jack was charismatic and he can pull a group of people around him. So then, you know, the situation with Tupac getting shot, you know, and he also was devastated when Tupac and Big got murdered. And so Jack was an integral part of discovering the Fugees. You know, they were signed already, but their deal, you know, wasn't structured right. So they went and took the Fugees to Clive Davis and got them signed over there. You know, because they were all Haitians except Lauren Hill, so... That's why Jack took a liking to Wyclef John and Pros. So Jack also like was on the run from immigration for about 14 years. And he was ducking the law. And then when he finally got caught in 2004, he ended up just staying where he was at. He got deported. Now, you know, Jack is currently living in the uh, Dominican Republic. And it was crazy, like, about how all of these five stories were kind of, like, intertwined. And the major respect that Big U, Deb, Bimmy... Haitian Jack, Trick Trick, all had for each other. And, um, yeah, I definitely enjoyed watching. Of course, I didn't say everything because you can't really squeeze in like six hours into a 30 minute show. But it had everybody from Dr. Dre to Ice T to shit. There's a whole gang of motherfuckers on this show. But I'm going to get up out of here, man. I appreciate y'all for sitting and listening. If anyone gives a fuck. Um, there could be a second show on the way. I don't know about tonight. But we'll see. Thank you very much.